We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report. With Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Sometimes your your answer is on your roster, and so we think you know Tyrell, you know getting Dotson back on, on a one year, you know him. Obviously, we had the two draft picks last year in Bernard and Specter. They're they've been in our program a year. They're going to be a lot more prepared for the pro game and, and our defensive system going in. So you know it's it's a competition, and we'll continue to look whether that's cap casualties, free agencies, um, if there's a player in the draft. Um, it'll be competition. We're not going to, you know, state now or probably next month or in two months this person's the starter. They're all going to get a chance to compete and best man wins. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And that was the man, the myth, the legend, Big Baller Bean himself talking middle linebacker in his presser from just earlier this evening, Chris, just a few hours before we started recording this podcast. Yeah, we're right on top of things tonight. We got everything in order. Got bean audio, and I made you a cocktail. I'm looking at this thing, Chris. I See, this is what I love. I love that we could get into this. We're talking about knee-jerk reaction Thursday. We're talking free agency for the Buffalo Bills here two days in, 2023, I just, I smell this, and I smell, I smell bitters. Correct. Incorrect. There's no bitters in this. No. Okay. The color says bitters. The smell says bitters. You're telling me I'm wrong. Then it's probably one of those syrups you use. Correct. No. There's. This is one of my favorite cocktails. Outside of like your classics, like an old fashioned or a Manhattan, this is probably like number three for me as a favorite. 
I'm surprised there's not more fruit in it, if that's the case. <laughs> ah! Zoom. Uh, let's see. I mean, it looks, before I taste it, it looks whiskey in color. I know you're a bourbon fan, so I'm guessing that the spirit is whiskey, correct or incorrect? It's a rye. Okay, so there's a rye in here. All right. Let's take a take a peek. Hmm. Whatever it is, it's very dry. And I like that. There's no sweetness that kind of hangs around in your mouth after you sip it. <laughs> it's you taste the rye, but it's not sharp. Like I'm sure you didn't use. You're making me cocktails, so I'm sure you didn't use the high end shit. Um, I, I'm assuming I used a rye that I picked up today when I went to uh, Premier. It was called like Ryan Sons. Okay, it was like thirty dollars, <laughs> and it's like a hundred and one proof. <laughs> So, see, this is what makes this cocktail interesting. Uh, it's 101 proof, but I, like I said, I detected no heat on the back end of this thing. So there's something else in here that's squashing that. I thought it was bitters. All right, you got me. What is this? It is a cocktail called Remember the Main, and it is two ounces of rye, three quarters of sweet vermouth, and two bar spoons of cherry hearing with a absinthe rinse. See, it's the absinthe. Okay, because this was going to be my thing. It's not sweet. And you're talking about sweet vermouth, cherry. Like, that should be puckering. It should be cloying. And instead, it's not. And it's because of the bitterness. Because I was like, it almost has like a, like a licorice kind of a thing going on here. It's that absinthe rinse there that you're talking about. What the fuck is wrong with you? Do you spray a... Do you have it? I have an atomizer. We've talked about this. There's a spray bottle There's, of absinthe somewhere in this house. We've talked about it before. With We had Brett Coleman on maybe like a year ago, and he was like, yeah, why wouldn't you put your absinthe in an atomizer? Exactly. My yeah. absinthe is in an atomizer. You're making me angry all over again. <laughs> I do remember that conversation. I remember getting really angry about it. Yeah. There's a spray bottle of liquor in the house. Like, what? There... At what point, Chris, like if you were to go back in time, how far back, how many decades would you have to go back in time where if you said that to someone, they would just leave because they'd assume that you're a fucking maniac? Well, I would. I have a spray bottle full of liquor in my house. They'd be like, I honey, get your fucking coat. We're out of here. I think that that has never happened because <laughs> the first time that somebody had heard that, they were like, genius idea. Why didn't we think of this sooner? That's probably what it was. I don't know, because the last I knew, absinthe was something like druggies take. Like you're trying to, tr I'm trying to trip off the wormwood, man. Take shrooms like an adult. Take shrooms. Go sit in a dark cabin or whatever the fuck Aaron Rodgers is doing. Like, go drink ayahuasca on a mountain with some. I don't. I don't know. It's God. I really like that guy. Needs to tr just try to climb Mount Everest and not come back. Like I think we've reached that point. Like he needs to just be that guy. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, before we get into things here, I cannot cannot do the podcast and not discuss heavily personal things within our lives. <laughs> it's just not. It helps. It helps the audience connect with us. If you say so, it does. Uh, we almost didn't record tonight. 
I don't know. You death. didn't. You didn't know that. But you got a death in the family. Very close to a death in the family. It would have been the death of me. Oh shit! What happened to you? I almost died in the kitchen <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Jessica. Oh, Jess, wait. No, I'm, let me get to the point here. Jessica had to give me the Heimlich maneuver in the kitchen because Tuesday morning, like, er, like you could, I had to, you know, obviously I work an overnight shift, so I was at work and I could, I could, I could tell I was getting sick, and okay. so I get home Tuesday. I wake up, you know, middle of the afternoon. My throat is on fire, absolute fire. I'm like, it's the like I've never had strep throat before. <laughs> so this was new to you. So like I don't know if it was strep. I never went into like a <laughs> of course not because you're a man. Yeah, I didn't. I just assumed it was a sore throat, and yeah. it was clearly number one worst sore throat I've ever had in my life. Okay, so I am on all this medication and i think jessica had strep last year and had like over-the-counter antibiotics <laughs> and she still had some left you're just taking them so i was i was started taking them that's why i feel way better today okay because of those antibiotics but i had been on any shelf bought <laughs> stuff for your throat. So, so so you're just doing a thing where you open the medicine cabinet and opened your mouth and just started dumping things in there. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So I'm on... So now the scene is set. What happened to you? So I am eating a a throat lozenge. I got it in my mouth and Jessica had come home with, and she went stopped at Target and got a bunch of stuff for me because she's a fucking saint. So she got me some throat medication, and she was like, you should probably use this. So I take the throat spray, and I take the cap off, and I'm like, you just, I just stick this in my mouth and go for it? And she was like, yeah. So I stick it in my mouth, and I spray, and the, the atomizer is so heavy that it just shoots the lozenge down my throat, and I'm choking at the kitchen sink upstairs. <laughs> you didn't yes. take the cough drop out of your mouth. No, I didn't. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm I'm literally like grabbing my throat, and I I can't breathe. And Jessica's like, what? like you know, she's like talking to me like we can have a serious conversation. And I'm like. Oh, I mean, I'd say something, but there's, I got a lozenge stuck in my throat and I can't get anything out. So, and then she gave me the Heimlich and then it eventually just went down the wrong pipe. Okay. Now, can I tell you this? First of all, I, I, I feel lame for admitting this. I am happy you're still here. I'm happy you're still here. No, you're not. I mean, who else is going to record this? I mean, it would just be me. You'd have to find a new producer. I'd have to find a new producer. We'd have to move the studio. Jess would be grief stricken. She wouldn't be. This wouldn't be allowed to be in her house anymore. So I would have to, like, 
I'm sure I could work out a deal with Daryl where I could be like, listen, just give me your brother's stuff. Just, just come on. We'll, we'll divvy this up. We'll, we'll cut this up. Donna, I'm distraught. I really need Chris's things. We can work it out. No, Jessica wouldn't give this. This would be her monument to you. No, this would be her jump start into doing a murder podcast because <laughs> she listens to so many murder pods. In which, if you're listening to murder pods, send any wrecks your way, and I'll pass them along to Jessica. But she would just start doing her own murder podcast down here. It's already set up to be a murder podcast. Well, here, here's what I know. The first thing, and this is why I'm a bad person, and probably not the best friend, but I'm a, but I am. I'm your friend. Would you say, begrudgingly, you'd have to admit that, right? You and me are friends. Yeah, we, you and I are friends, and our, <laughs> I value our friendship in being the same way to some of our favorite comics, like the way. Bobby Kelly and Rich Voss are friends. Yes. Where they just shit on each other. <laughs> or Rich or Jim Norton's characters, Doug Bell and uh Chip Chipperson. Yep. And Bobby Kelly. <laughs> yes. That whole dynamic is what we strive our friendship to be. Now, here's what I'll say. As you're telling me that you almost died, not only did like I'm not it's on it's on video. It's caught. I laughed hysterically. Yeah, this this is that is that's the funniest. That's the dumbest way to die I've ever heard. It would be funny. I would laugh like if Larissa were to call me and be like, "Oh my god, I just got off the phone with Jess. Chris is dead. He choked to death on a cough drop after spraying this thing." Your first reaction to Larissa would have to be, "Do you think he'll win a Darwin Award?" Well, that's it. I go, "Is this or is this not hilarious?" Like, am I the only one laughing right now? Also, I would throw a roast at your funeral. Like, we would turn that thing into a roast. Not just not just of you, not just of you and the way you died, but also other people in attendance. I would want my funeral to be <laughs> the mirror image of Jason Sudeikis' character Shane in Eastbound and Down. <laughs> I, would, I would want you there with a boombox. Show like any power. Yeah, I would want you there with a boombox playing just making a, it weird. Alive by Pearl Jam. Yeah, I would definitely show up, make it weird, insult a lot of people. Just be like, listen, he might have died stupidly, but I look around the room and I see some other idiots, and I'm going to tell you how. Like, let me just walk this down. Because knowing that somewhere out there, you're, you're, you're watching that from afar, laughing at it. Going, man, Drew's really giving it to those assholes. <laughs> well, I'm happy you didn't die. I'm happy we're here recording this podcast. And I'm happy that, uh, or I mean, I guess I'm happy that we have a little bit of clarity from Brandon Bean. Aren't you? Yeah. Ah, we're here talking about knee-jerk reactions. I want to start this free agency show by talking about, like, first of all, just the overall state of this free agency cycle, because it's one of the weirdest I've ever been a part of. It feels slow, doesn't it? It does. Like, right now, there's been 12 four-plus-year contracts handed out around the league. Now, that's up from last year's eight. But if you look at the guys who got big contracts out of the gate in this free agency cycle... Six of them are offensive tackles and defensive tackles. Like they're like last year, the big talk was Chandler Jones, Von Miller. Like there were sexy names on the market at big, big time positions. And like I don't know, there's been a couple big guys who's, who've hit the market, players who have been cut. I feel like the overall 
quality of the like p- quality of the position that the players who are getting signed right now are being signed at, none of that is like juicy. You know, Tremaine Edmonds probably gets people excited because like, oh my god, a linebacker, he can do so much for you. People go away to tackle. Like, cool, you bought an expensive tackle. Now, mind you, it's one of the most important positions. But to the average fan, that doesn't really move the needle much, does it? Like, when you see... An, like, I look at the the Cincinnati Bengals go out and sign uh, Orlando Brown. And I say to myself, okay, that's cool. I'm not lamenting. I'm not doing cartwheels. Hey, you know who else they signed? Cody Ford. Ah! Fucking Cody Ford is a Bengal, guys. That's how sweet their offensive line situation is. For, so for all of you bitching about Connor McGovern, Cody Ford is a bangle. Remember that. It just feels like this cycle is moving very slowly, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, did, didn't you expect OBJ to have a home by now? Not when he requests $20 million a year. Well, no, not then. But, like, when you look at what's going on around the market, and it's strange, too, because... What you saw was a lot of action so far by bottom feeders. The Chicago Bears had tons of money to spend, and they've done so. Good for them. That's cool that you're doing that, but also you're a terrible football team. You were, like, historically bad last year. You watch it now. The teams at the top of each conference are really slow playing things. The Eagles have lost a ton of talent. They looks like they're going to get Darius Slay back, but... Realistically, they've lost running backs. They've lost offensive linemen. They're 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 kind of thinning out on defense. You look at the AFC. K- Kansas City signed a right tackle and a young D end. Since he signed a left tackle and kept a starting linebacker, Buffalo signed a guard and kept some of its own backups and starting safety that was important to their success over the last year and the last few years. And that's it. Like bad teams with lots of cap space. That's it. Making the noise. And everything else, like, it's interesting, but it's like the truly competitive teams are realizing that there's value to be had in waiting out the market and waiting for some of these players to kind of adjust their expectations to what their cap realities are. And it also seems like there's a... Because think about it, there would be a... Chris, I think that players are recognizing that. Because otherwise there would be a land rush to just sign all kinds of fucking deals right now, wouldn't there? Yeah. I think players are kind of slow to the take, but they're slowly realizing, like, hey, my ask, if I'm OBJ, my $20 million, I'm not getting it. And then he's got to sit out there in a wide receiver market that if you look at it right now, you go to Spotrac's uh, free agent tracker, Kenny Galladay just got added to the pool. Adam Thielen just got added to the pool. There might actually be more players released in the next two or three days who actually make it harder for Odell Beckham Jr. to find a new home. So I think there's this weird feeling out period that's about to take place. And it might be until next week when we get together to record where what this free agency period really is actually kind of takes shape. With that in mind, I want to talk about first some of the moves that the Bills made to make space and the trickle-down effect of it. The first one's Milano, the extension that we gave him, and the loss of Edmonds. When the extension happened, I saw a lot of people postulating about this idea, the concept that the money that we saved might be a sign that the team was working towards a way to keep Edmonds. Now, in our group chats, I made it known. I felt that that was almost, hey, we need to extend Milano because we need to keep at least one all-star linebacker. And sure enough, who was right? 
The silver lining now is that Matt Milano is a bill for the rest of his prime years. He'll probably be very good, but his prime years, we have his contractual rights. And it gives the team flexibility as they try to acclimate to life without two standout athletic profiles at linebacker. The point gets made. Uh, the Bills would be more than likely. Like, you take a look at the market. <clears throat> it's been made up to this point that there's options out there if the Bills wanted to. We talked about Levante David. People have brought up, uh, what's his face? Drew Tranquil from the Chargers. There's been a million names bandied about. I'll say this. Chris, you heard Bean at the top of the show. Does that sound like a guy who's about to go out there and spend a bunch of money? No. At the linebacker position? No. When you invoke the name Terrell Dodson and Balin Specter, when someone asks, hey, what's your, what's your, what are you doing in middle linebacker? Now, obviously, there's the guy who you drafted last year in the third round who can play some sort of linebacker role for your team. No one's really identified what that is yet. But the fact that he comes out and invokes the name Balin Specter, well, these are two guys who've been in our system for a year. They understand what's, you know, they may grow into professionals. All of the tweeting going on right now from the guys at Cover One, from the guys at Buffalo Rumblings about, well, here's your available free agent linebacker options. You're spinning false hope because I heard it come from the man's mouth. And I when go back and re-listen to the top of the show if you have to. That does not sound like a man who's willing to spend money at this position. I think we're watching the turnover at this position that should have happened at safety a long time ago. At safety, luckily, we were able to keep extending Hyde and keep extending Poyer and keep extending Hyde and keep extending Poyer. Chris, they're each on their second, I believe, extensions. Yeah, there's also something touched on earlier. Not just their initial signing, but second. Yeah, there's something touched on earlier. I'm going to try to read it on my, scan through it on my phone, but... um Bean met was well. He, Bean was supposed to meet with the media at like one o'clock, and then pushed it back like four or five hours. But there's uh, an article on Pro Football Talk that it's trending in the right direction for Demar Hamlin to return to action. So I guess I'm just I'm I, that that's that's interesting. I do like that. Here's what I will say. You hear what you hear at the top of the show, and you think to yourself, that doesn't sound like a guy who's willing to go out there. He's not saying, hey, we're going to turn over. He's saying we're going to turn over every stone. But he's talking about draft, and he's invoking names like Terrell Dodson, a guy who we've watched try to be a middle linebacker. It's just not there. It tells me that they're going to keep banking on these unknown commodities that they have before they go out and spend any more cash which is something that arguably they probably should have done a long time ago at safety. I guess you could say that they, they did last year, and they got to see that, hey, we need Poyer. We need him back. They haven't seen that at linebacker. You know, what, what Edmonds missed a game, Milano, Milano missed a game? Yeah. Two? Sounds about right. There was no prolonged absence of any one player that gave them a real shot at the depth and it looks on this roster, and it looks like they're willing to test that out. And so then that brings up the idea of scheme and how that fits into this, right? Like, this, the extension of Milano is what gave us some cap space, but it's also about how the Bills are going to approach this offseason. 
in thinking about this, I went back to 2017, McDermott's first season with the Buffalo Bills, the year that they broke the drought without Edmonds, without a full-time Milano, thanks to fucking Ramon Humber, who I will... Chris, as long as this podcast exists, as long as there's breath in my lungs, I will never forgive Sean McDermott for playing Ramon Humber ahead of Matt Milano. If you saw any, that was the year I was credentialed for training camp. If you saw them up close and personal, you knew Milano was the better player. And he still was like, fuck you, rookie. Uh, we play special teams while Ramon Humber goes out there and plays linebacker for us. And then there was a Raiders game where Milano has like a fumble recovery and runs it back for a touchdown and had a really sharp game. And that was it. He took the roll over. So good for him. But also, like, I remember, I'll never forgive them for that. When you go back to that 2017 season, the Bills only had one linebacker on the whole roster who saw more than 80% of the snaps on defense, and it was Preston Brown. Do you remember him? Heard of him? I remember a clip where Sean McDermott made fun of him at practice one time, because he's like, what's this dark visor? We're indoors. Why do you have a dark visor? <laughs> I'm like, what do, you, what, do you, what do you think? It looks tough? Like, it was one of those, like, old man, like, it was almost like a Clint Eastwood talking to a kid moment. Like... What's that? What's that thing? What's that line from? Uh, you 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 actually yelled at me once ahead of a podcast. I was I was moping. I was being a little bitch about something, and you looked at me. And it's the only time I think you've ever really raised raised your voice to me. And you were just like, "Hey, knock it off, clean it up, pull up your pants, pick up some trash." What movie is that line from? Like, uh, oh, it's from Kicking and Screaming. <laughs> and then and then the parent takes a lap around the soccer field. Yeah, you're like, "Give me a lap." Fucking give me a lap around the field. He literally like talked to Preston Brown. I'll never forget it. They were practicing inside and he was just looking at him and he goes, You got a visor on. You're inside. What are you doing? <laughs> and then then later in practice there's a there's a pass breakup and the ball literally like he gets in position to make the interception, but the ball like bounces off his chest. And McDermott's on the sideline yelling, Oh, visor. No, oh, maybe if you didn't have that visor, you would have seen that one. Like, he actively trolled Preston Brown, I think, because he knew Preston Brown was mediocre and needed a push. That was the only guy who played more than 80% of the snaps on defense. And linebacker. And he wasn't great, right? QBR against was 89 or better in six of the nine games where he was targeted. He was the third highest targeted player on the entire defense, and he was average against the run. But their scheme worked because they dedicated more snaps to extra linebackers on the field. And when possible, they threw an extra safety into the mix and threw some cover three looks out there. Just into that typical 4-3 base alignment. Those linebackers, like the linebackers that saw the bulk of the snaps, Lorenzo Alexander, Humber, inevitably Milano, they weren't stars. Were they, Chris? No. But McDermott utilized them to create a passable defense despite not having a true threat at pass rusher and arguably one of the weakest defensive end rooms in the NFL. They're, they had Kyle Williams and at defensive tackle and then a bunch of nobodies. And then they had Jerry Hughes, Eddie Yarbrough, Ryan Davis, and the third-year Shaq Lawson. When you look at it that way, doesn't it seem more probable than not that with more cornerback talent, more defensive end and defensive tackle talent, and a pr more proven safety tandem at his disposal, McDermott is probably going to be able to craft a defense that can survive with one all-pro defense with one all-pro linebacker. 
Makes sense. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Like, even if it is different, I genuinely believe that he's done more with less. He now has more. Even if it's not... I think we've just come so far that our expectations have shifted. We're not going to be what the Chiefs were defensively last year, and that should make everybody happy. They were a very, very mediocre at-best defense through the regular season. They made just enough plays in the postseason to make things interesting, and a lot of it had to do with the matriculation of their youth in the secondary and the fact they invested in the defensive line. And in every playoff game you saw the Chiefs win, it was because their defensive line made big plays. That was it. That's where all their money went, and it paid off for them. Good for them. Wonderful. Ultimately, the Bills are kind of going to be in a similar situation, and I like the fact that at least they're taking their medicine in a way that still leaves them talent around there. This is a staff that put together a passable product before. I trust that they can do it again. Hey, Chris. Remember all those people who said that, uh, hey, hey, Diggs extension to create some camp space. What about all the reports that he wanted to be traded? Look what we got here. A talking horse's ass. That's all of you. Every one of you who tweeted out or retweeted some nonsense about him. Oh, he wants out. Well, I don't want him if he doesn't want to be here. Talking horse's ass. That's it. That's what you are. It's who you are. I don't want to talk. I don't want to say anything more about it. Also, whether or not he wants to be here, we hold his rights. And at the end of the day, Chris, he's a gamer, correct? 100%. When the lights come on, I don't have to worry that Stefan Diggs will be there. And I think that regardless of what people think might have transpired between him and Josh Allen, doesn't winning solve everything? Always does. And then there's the Josh Allen and Von Miller restructures, which probably don't carry as much gravitas, except for the Miller thing. That original contract structure was, like, I'm interested to see the details in this, because originally we were going to be able to have him on a quote-unquote six-year deal, but we were going to be able to get out at the end of the third year. The other three years just existed so we could spread out the cap hits. A restructure makes that more difficult, in theory, depending on what type of restructure and how they did it. Let me ask you this. How much of that torn ACL plays into this? Well, yeah. So well, then that's why that's why I don't get it. Like coming off a devastating injury at an advanced age, <clears throat> is restructuring his deal freeing up room because you know you you're going to have to sign a pass rusher to get you through until he's back. Is it you're doing it because you believe in the player long term and you've seen the impact that he's made for your team and you want to keep him around here until the day he decides to retire? I don't know. I just know that it. It seems like weird, weird business to say that there's some players you don't need. Now, mind you, they haven't cut anybody, have they? Mm-mm. I don't think as of today there's been any releases to create cap space, which is interesting, especially with some of the signings we're about to talk about. But I don't think that I don't think that it's going to be something that we. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be something that we look at and we say. This was meaningless. I think in two or three years, you're going to feel the results of this and say, well, Von Miller still costs a little bit too much for us to cut this year. So we're going to have to drag this to a fourth year, maybe a fifth year. Well, what does he look like at that point? Exactly. I feel like you might have just complicated things here. I don't really know how to feel about that. 
Guys, what do you think? Von Miller, yay or nay, if we had to keep him into his prime when he was nothing but a pass rush specialist, are you okay with that? Yay or nay? Tweet us at Rockpile Report on Twitter. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So then we get to the sinnings that the Bills did make that pissed everyone off. Uh, back in February, one of our listeners, Eric Harris, brought up the gripe that the teams who played in the Super Bowl were the league's worst, 31st and 32nd in special teams DVOA. And yet here we are investing investing in this position. And because he's a salty son of a bitch like me, he bemoaned the fact the Bills constantly prioritize special teams at a time when the league's best teams are focusing all of their resources on genuine positions of impact. So I can only imagine his reaction to the early announcements that Martin Hines, Dodson, Matakevich, all of them are being brought back before the announcement of a single skill player. In fact, guys, if, if you listen closely... If, if you lean towards the nearest window and cup your ear, you can probably hear him trying to communicate with Brandon Bean on the wind all the way up from the Pacific Northwest. Fool this man! Chris, your thoughts. Just the, the idea that we would prioritize all of these pure special teams play. My first reaction would be um, when you listed all those players for a split second in my head. When you said Martin Hines, I thought that was one person. That's <laughs> Martin Hines. <laughs> yeah. I love you. That's I, when you. I love that you are the producer of this podcast. Yeah. When I heard Martin Hines, I went, my brain immediately went, that's the same person. He just went first name and last name. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. We might be the dumbest podcast. I love you. Here's the thing. I think a lot of this breaks down across the lines of what do you think of Naheem Hines? I think I just said his name right for the first time since we traded for him. <laughs> what do you think about him? Because that, I, this is what I see. The Bills have this track record when it comes to the return men. The year that they were going to give McKenzie the return job in 2021, they brought in Sanders. They had Gabe Davis. They, they had Kumaro to round out the wide receiver depth chart. 
and like they had Cole Beasley still. And they said, yeah, we are going to bring back like this is going to be the year that we actually no, 2020. Yeah, 2021. We still had Beasley. It was Beasley's last season. Yeah, you you gave the job to McKenzie. He had that year in 2020 and, you know, he went out to market. He had eight touchdowns, I think, that year. And then he went out to market. Nobody had any money to spend because of COVID. Yeah. Salary cap increase wasn't huge. He ended up coming back to Buffalo on a cheap one-year deal. Then he signs a big extension for 2022 and beyond, which is where we're currently in a holding pattern. So they were going to give him the job. They bring in Sanders. They have Kumro. They're like, listen, we have Beasley. We have, we have options. We don't need you to be a wide receiver. Because going all the way back to 2017, McDermott hasn't let guys who pri- play primary roles on offense or defense moonlight on special teams. I mean, look, we talked about the guys he just brought in. Taiwan Jones. He's a running back who's been on this team for years who never touches the ball. He's, pr- he's a gunner. That's it. That's all you are. Medikevich. Never, even with all those injuries, never saw the ball on D. Never saw a snap on defense last year. He he is literally a return like specialist. You're a cover man. McKenzie, when he was the full time kick returner and punt returner, only saw 21 percent of the snaps on offense. He was a relative non factor. So I guess when you look at Hines, for all the stuff we want him doing on the offense, as long as he's the kick returner and punt return option, the reality is. He will never get an opportunity, as long as Sean McDermott is the head coach, to see a significant timeshare in the offense, which is disappointing. Now, it'll be interesting to see how some of the new faces that we've brought in factor into this discussion, specifically the first guy up. And I mean, I want to, I want to preface this all as we talk about the new additions so far, because the, the, Chris, the, the, there haven't been any splashes. Nope. Bills literally are just kind of dinking and dunking their way through this. And fans seem pretty ambivalent about the entire process. But I, I look at it as I feel like we got some steak, even if it doesn't have any sizzle. That's that's okay. You can do that. You can add nice pieces to your football team, and it doesn't have to be a move-the-needle, get-you-a-spot-on-ESPN-type fucking move. It can literally just be, hey, we had a hole here. And we're bringing in more options to address that hole. That brings us to wide receiver Deontay Hardy. If I was going to try and summarize the reaction to his signing of our entire fan base, like the, the reaction of the whole fan base, it's perfectly encapsulated in a text I got from my uncle today. This is a quote. I don't get this Hardy move. Five foot six guy with turf toe history. And then five question marks. <laughs> like... Chris, this guy's an educator. Yep. That's the text? No, punctu- did, no punctuation? How did somebody in your family get to become an educator? He's actually incredibly intelligent. He's the only reason I passed Sir Science in ninth grade. He, he tutored me. It's the only reason I made it. I think that we were all pissed. Because after months of talking about Paris Campbell, Brandon Cooks, nobody had Deontay Hardy on their Bills UFA bingo card. And if you say that you did, you're a fucking liar. At the same time, like I, I see this. Like when I take a step back, I sip some of this. This is a good cocktail. Yeah. How has it uh, evolved now that it's been 
almost 30 minutes since you tried it. Well, as I'm sipping my way through it, as it, as the ice doesn't water it down, but it kind like as a little it bit waters of, it down, but it does it slowly because it's that's a my point. Crystal clear ice cube. So as it's done that, the drink has really opened up. The flavor on this thing is great. This is an amazing cocktail. Who is, it, this, is this out of your recipe book? No, well, I mean it's in one of my recipe books, but it's probably number like I said before, it's number probably number three behind Old Fashioned in Manhattan. For favorite bourbon cocktails, See, remember, w- remember I, the main. I wish that I had your level of like. I'm going to take 20 minutes and mix a drink, because for me, it's literally just open bottle, pour over ice, drink. Like that's, this is that's not a I hard drink. cocktail to make because it is all liquor or liqueurs. Yeah, but you have to open you, three different bottles. That's already too much work for me. What you have to do with you have the cherry hearing. The rye, the sweet vermouth, and then the absinthe in an atomizer. You're but not. not doing you're that. not shaking the cocktail. You're mixing it in yeah, a I'm, glass. I, I, but so I'm not it doing takes. Um, it takes two minutes to make. I'm not doing that. I'm pouring it over ice and I'm drinking it. <laughs> I'm going to spell the logic of this signing out, and I'm hoping that when I'm done talking about it, it makes a little more sense to some of you out there. Deontay Hardy. Two-year, heavily incentivized deal with what is an overall low cost for an NFL wide receiver who was once referred to as an all-pro at something. Regardless of what the fuck it is, I know it was a returner. Don't don't you... Because people... Again, I, I can hear you out there listening to this going, Well, yeah, he was an all-pro, but as a returner, Drew. Shut up, nerd. Who cares? <laughs> remember when Andre Roberts got signed here? Chris? I remember that guy. Special teams ace back in 2019. That was his fourth bite at the free agent Apple. If you go back early in Andre Roberts' career, when he left the Cardinals and signed his first unrestricted free agent deal with the Redskins, he landed an $8 million two-year contract that had a $4 million signing bonus, small guaranteed dollars long-term, and a whole slew of incentives involved if he kept up the production on special teams that they had signed him for. Does that sound familiar? Seems so. Deontay Hardy. If you look at his contract and where he is in his career in that light, and then you factor in inflation, this is about right for a standout return specialist that you're high on. And you're paying a little bit of a premium because it is free agency. And then think about the the Sean McDermott dynamic that we just touched on is in regards to special teams. His presence on the roster gives you options and flexibility. That's it. When training camp rolls around, McDermott has shown you that unless it's absolutely necessary, like remember when 2021 McKenzie sucked at being a returner so badly that when the playoff game against the Patriots rolled around, every time they were forced to punt, it was Micah Hyde back there to return punts. And he didn't try to return a goddamn one of them. He just stood there and let it come to him. Like, that's it. He doesn't want overlap at returner and skill player because an injury on game day at that position, like, remember when Crowder got hurt? Oh, yeah, I remember that. It didn't move the needle for us on our depth chart in terms of our offensive game plan because we didn't lose a player who was being baked into the offensive plan. <laughs> I guarantee you that's the logic being applied to this signing. 
Now, instead of having to pigeonhole Hines in as your return man, the Buffalo Bills can go into the offseason, watch the both of them in camp, and decide what you want there. Using Hardy as your returner frees up a pass-catching back and another option for you to utilize in your offense full-time. And if you stick with Hines and you decide that after we've watched them both in practice, we've watched him work with the special teams coach, the coach comes to McDermott and says, listen, I still prefer Hines. Fine. It frees up a slot option that, based on some of the fine metrics, could yield a lot more value than the guy that was manning the role last season. Hardy was really only given one year ever as a receiving threat, and that came in 2021. Between play design and just defensive coordinators disrespecting him because they didn't know what he was, he was a top five in the NFL for cushion allowed off the line of scrimmage per snap. And even with that, he parlayed that into having the NFL's 15th best mark for average separation by a pass catcher. You go to cover one, go to their Twitter feed, and you can watch clips of reps where you just watch him naturally with nuanced route running and just like short area burst. Get separation. Something that we've been begging for from the slot position. He posted top 10 yards after the catch per reception. And I think more importantly for this offense, 1.3 yards after the catch per reception above expectation. That's a category that when you look at what Isaiah McKenzie was, like, he was negative year over year over year because if it's zone coverage, he doesn't know how to get away from it. He can't separate. His value was against man coverage. I, It's just, this is a guy, right? He's a buy low and potentially sell high proposition. And for that cost, it doesn't, doesn't worry me at all. I don't care. Because you might be getting a great return, man. And if he doesn't pan out, you at least have another wide receiver who's more talented than Isaiah McKenzie. He, at least he's proven that he has, by fine metrics, things that he can do better than the guy who you paid a bunch of money a year or two before and were roundly disappointed by. Does that or does that not sound like improvement, Chris? I guess it sounds like improvement. When it comes to Deontay Hardy, I mean, I would have thought you would have been all over this fucking guy. When we signed him, because I mean, his claim to fame is that he changed his last name to the name of his stepdad in honor. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna assume you you're a huge fan. <laughs> I mean, come on, this is the best podcast ever. Uh. Dave Gear gonna fight me now? <laughs> no, in fact, that's not a that's not a dig at Dave Gear. In fact, if anything, Dave Gear probably just shed a tear. It was just like, all right, Chris, I'll give you that one. <laughs> he pro- he probably now instead of hitting you in the throat, he'll just punch you in the kidneys when he sees you. <laughs> I'll take that. Oh my god, that was funny. See, you are quick. That's what no one gives you credit. You're quick. <laughs> that's the first thing I think about. Oh my god. Hey guys, like I get it. We're all fr- like people are frustrated. You know, I'm the, I'm the guy. Admittedly, I saw the Paris Campbell deal today, and I go, "What the fuck?" And then I think about it like this: not just on that front, but also is the special teams dynamic that we just explained ad nauseum. GMs love multi-year deals because of the flexibility, right? And if their early gamble works, they want another year of control, and they want to be able to parlay that into things. They have leverage the following season. The player wants to go out and perform. You know, Paris Campbell had a career year. 
He wants to go have one more career year and then hit free agency again and cash in. Really cash in on a long-term deal. Hardy has utility that the teams prioritize in special teams. And also, like, if you were just looking for a slot-wide receiver option, there's dozens of players for the same money that would have made more sense. The special teams upside, even if it pisses me off that this team continues to prioritize that shit, it's there, and it was the trump card, and it's why they jumped on him soon rather than waiting. Maybe that proves to be a mistake, and it's frustrating, but here we are. Now, what I like is that based on Shakir rounding into form, Hardy's presence. Chris, what happens to Isaiah McKenzie? I don't know. Maybe he finally gets kicked to the curb like he like he deserves, because I've never liked Ryan, the guy. Ryan Lacell's going to laugh when he hears this. It seems like a hat on a hat. <laughs> Isaiah McKenzie on this roster with these two guys here. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Then there's guard Connor McGovern, who, if any of you, I fell into the fucking hole. I'll I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah, you know, I I tweeted out something today, and then you know, I got I immediately got a. Uh, I got DMs from Greg Thompson and Eric Turner of Cover One, where they were like, we were literally just talking about this in our Slack channel, about the first person to complain about this guy or react owes everybody five bucks. Greg, the sports bully, Chris? The, uh-huh. I guess that's what he goes by on Twitter. I don't know, the sports bully one. He puts out this tweet about, so Bates was his best at left guard, McGovern was his best at right guard, so the plan in Buffalo was for him to play left, for McGovern to play left guard. And then he's trying to paint this in a negative light. And I just kind of recapped it that last year, Connor McGovern played eight snaps at eight right guard. Eight. <laughs> he played 909 at left guard. But sure, don't let facts... You know, facts and reality get in the way of a narrative that you want to scream about on social media. Holy fuck. Like, I, I'm I'm embarrassed. Chris, like, can I say this now? That we've been doing this for this long? Go ahead. There's a lot of people I respect who do this. Like, obviously, some of them, like, we have on this show. We talk to them. We talk about them all the time. There's corollaries we have here. There's Greg. There's Aaron. There's Bruce. There's Eric. <clears throat> There's some people that we don't have never had on the show, but who I very much respect, and I, I like them, and I like the way that they approach the craft. Uh, uh, Tiffany you know, T T Estelle over at the Built in Buffalo uh, Built in Buffalo Network. Yep, I know she does the shows with Robin. She has her own thing going on over there. I respect her approach to the craft. I respect the way a lot of people go about this. And then there's some of these guys who just fucking they like. You're just gonna say something. Like, this sports bully character was the same one who, I think we made fun of him last summer, when he was saying that Andre, uh, what was that linebacker who we cut? Andre, not Lee. Andre Roberts? I'll look it up. Andre Roberts, whoever the guy was. He was saying, like, well, Tremaine Edmonds is overrated, and if this guy played over him, he would be much more impactful. Andre Smith? Andre Smith. This guy's a fucking special teamer. He's, He's a practice squad linebacker. He's better than Tremaine Edmonds. Now, the multi-pro bowl, multi-million dollar Tremaine Edmonds. Do you know where Andre Smith is right now? Can you tell me? Jail. <laughs> oh, shit, is he? I don't know. I'm just That's a guess. Oh, shit. I was going to say, because I haven't heard of him signing anywhere. Like, he might as well be. He could be in prison right now, for all we know. Didn't he have an issue... 
He might have. I'll, I'll let me look I up. I feel his, like there was something. You guy did that. I'll look up his Wikipedia page. Here's what I know. Some of you out there just say shit to say things, and it. I took the bait today, and now the next time all the cover one guys are in town, I have to buy them a fucking drink, and it's Greg the sports bully's fault. Or what, <sighs> well, are you mad that you got to buy every one of them a drink, or just Greg Thompson a steak? I owe a lot. There's a lot of things that I owe because of this stupid, because <laughs> because of, of Twitter. I'm gonna blame Twitter. Yeah, because your dumb mouth. So Connor McGovern gets here, and he's a guard who seems adept at pass protection, which is the thing we've been trying to do for years in free agency. Think about this. Again, I will say it. I've said it ad nauseum. 2019, Brandon Bean gets interviewed, and he tells the media. He tells them. He's not even trying to hide it. He says, look, I like to see guys on the offensive line who have done it before. He's gun-shy about just going whole hog with the draft to give his quarterback protection. See Cody Ford. Cody Ford. But then look at, let's walk it back through the years. 2022, they got Saffold. You go out and you get him in free agency. He He's second on the team in pressures with 42 allowed, one of the NFL's worst metrics. He's here because the previous year, we kicked Darrell Williams from tackle inside to play guard. Darrell Williams was first on the team in 2021 with 44 pressures allowed, which was one of the NFL's worst. 2020, John Feliciano, second on the team in pressures with 33, which while it wasn't one of the worst, it was up there in the top 20. Guard has been a problem for us, and yet here's a guy who instead has gotten better every single year in pass protection to the point where he's not only incredibly reliable, like some of his best games came against like teams like Philadelphia, San Francisco, Washington, teams with a lot of defensive line talent, but he, he might be what the doctor ordered as a true left guard for this football team. If you think about it, Bates now gets to slide to right guard. Bakker gets to back him up. We've seen them work that tandem of Bakker and Bates before, positionally. Hell, that was the first year the Bills made a run to the AFC Championship game. I believe it was Bakker and Bates on the offensive line, or at least like Bakker. Then you think about this. Morse missed a start last year. for I think it was one of his first missed starts in a Bills uniform. Bates took his spot which shows you the trust they have in Ryan Bates, but also his positional flexibility. I'd like to believe that this signing could actually set the Bills up well to do the things that fans have been talking about for a while now, which is draft interior offensive line with long-term upside in April's draft. McGovern gives you at least two years of potential stability at one guard spot, which they've been chasing on the open market every year since 2019. That would allow them to slide Bates to center, play with a rookie playing right guard, or draft a rookie who's going to develop and be your swing guard. You leave everything as it, like you have options now when you go into next season, because you could say, "Listen, we're going to draft a center. He's going to be a backup guard, and by next year he'll be the starting center. We're going to play Bates at right guard, or we're going to let Morse play this year out, let Bates play guard." This kid's going to back him up, and at the end of the year, we're going to slide Bates to center. Now that kid takes the guard role. And if he proves he can handle it, we'll swap them. It, it doesn't matter. Like, if whatever you choose to do there, you now have fucking options. Which is the... Chris, again, 
from special teams to offensive line to everything. This team likes versatility and having options. It's the mold of what the Sean McDermott Buffalo Bills have been about since he got here. Like, and it's not the worst idea, is it? No. I like the idea of Connor McGovern. I don't need to know much about him. He's a guard. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to spend an hour pontificating about the impact. He's a fucking guard. If he does his job, we'll never talk about him again. So I had to. <clears throat> I don't know if people know this, but I'm back as the producer of After the Snap because they are not with Vox Media. <laughs> po- po- post the hatchet job. That Chris Sup- there's surprising. A reason, there's a reason. I, t- I I told you. There is a reason why I, I, I told Bruce, I go, Bruce, I respect you. Bruce pitched us on joining their network, and I flat out told him, I, I respect you, I, I love what you do. I don't respect Vox. I won't do it, because I don't like how they do business. I went to school for journalism. Call me a, call me a purist, but... Okay, I but can't, let's not make join this... the machine. Let's not make this about us, but being back editing after the snap... This week on the show, this week, I edited it this afternoon. Reed legitimately thought for a little bit they had that we had signed the Jets Connor McGovern. How off, There's two Connor McGoverns in the NFL that both play the same position. Reed thought we had signed the one from the, uh, the Jets and not the Cowboys. Just a little tidbit there. That's fucking hilarious. If you guys... <laughs> What if he had reached out to him and been like, hey, bro, awesome. Well, he, he brought up there's like a situation in like, I want to say two years ago where uh, Shaq Lawson beat the Jets' Connor McGovern for two sacks in a game. And there's like an NFL Films clip of Shaq Lawson on the field telling Connor McGovern, no one knows who the fuck you are. And that's who Reed thought we were getting. He didn't realize there was another... Connor McGovern. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I actually like that story. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I, again, another not sexy, but worthwhile move. You've made the team better. You've given us options. And then the big one, the, like Chris, the return of Jordan Poyer. Love it. What happened? Like when that when that move happened, Doug Roloski called me. Oh, he then, called you. He called me. I didn't answer. And Obviously. Then te- and then he texted. Well, I'm at work. And then he texted me. And then I got about 19 more text messages within a 10-minute span. My phone is just vibrating its way across my desk at work, and I'm laughing, going, something happened, and I'm literally in the middle of a conference call, and I'm like, I can't. I'm not going to pick up my phone in the middle of this because they can see me on camera. Which, for those of you out there, if you work from home during conference call, when if you're doing conference calls during NFL free agency or like March Madness, turn your cameras off. Turn your cameras off and just use your stock LinkedIn profile picture. No one will care. I mean, how important is that meeting? <laughs> I should have answered the phone. Uh, Chris, I like his tweet. Where he was like, hey, he, he like tweeted at Micah Hyde and was like, hey, neighbor. Or like, hey, buddy. Yeah. And then followed up with, yeah, New York State taxes still suck. <laughs> I like that I this morning got to spend like 20, 30 minutes walking a uh, British listener. Some of you may remember him from his appearance on our AFC's Roundup podcast. Uh, Terry from England. 
walking him through what he's like, what are these taxes that he was whining about? Chris, New York State taxes. Can we? I think I said it during my Spaces podcast. They blow. Do yeah. They or do they not? They do. Realistically, depending on your tax bracket, you lose about 38% of your total income before it ever even hits your bank account. I had to pay taxes this year. What you owed? Yes. How? Um, I don't know. Well, I don't have, like, a kid. I don't have any of these. Oh, yeah, you don't have any of them deductibles. Yeah, there's no uh, deductibles that I can hit because I'm just a single cis white male <laughs> filing my taxes. I don't know what that has to do with it. I, 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 I'm going to assume because it, it's Biden's America, so i got to pay taxes Jesus now. But Christ. I had, to, I, I, love, I had to pay a couple hunge in taxes. I, I can't wait to see the Apple reviews after this one. Actually, like I don't look at them. You do. Yeah. Well, Jessica was like, we'll, well what do you file on your taxes? And I was like, I file zero. She was like, you still had to pay? And I was like, yeah. Do you see who the president is? <laughs> Guys, does it, does it, is it making more sense now, though? Like, this is, <laughs> this is what I love is that there's going to be people who are like, well, I'm never listening to this again. These right wingers. It's like, I don't think you understand. I kind of, I, I think all of them should I kind of, I kind of like that I can. I can just lean into this this thing that may or may not piss people off. And when I say lean into things, I mean I'm leaning to the right. <laughs> well, what I love is that you lean that way, and then with that haircut, people are like, oh, he might be a proud boy, and then they meet you, and they're like, no, he doesn't have it in him to protest anything. No, I'm <laughs> He's actually afraid of being yelled at in public. I'm not protesting anything. I got things to do. Here's Here's what I love about this. Jordan Poyer comes back. He puts out that taxes tweet. Do you remember two weeks ago, like, we talked about it, right? Like, I don't know. It, it, two weeks ago, we did the podcast about cuts. Roster cut candidates and le- lessons you can learn from that. Now, either there's a boatload of NFL GMs that listen to the Rockpile Report, or just maybe this old drunk knows a thing or two. Maybe I know what I'm talking about. Because people looked at Jordan Poyer after the Harrison Smith situation. They were like, oh, yeah, Harrison Smith, you're the same age, got a huge deal. How did that go? How is that working for the Vikings? There's GMs out there. Every safety, needy team chose to go a different direction, Chris. And not even for big money. Yeah. For average money, they chose to go younger. Like, that market that Poyer and Rosenhaus expected just never materialized. Which is what happens when you're 32, playing a hyper-physical brand of football, coming off one of... Chris, I've never seen, like, if I could give an Ironman award to Jordan Poyer for last year, he was... There's games where he's like, oh, I drove to Kansas City to play because I had a bruised lung and couldn't get on the airplane. What the fuck? You shouldn't be playing football. And yet here you are. That's cool that you're willing to be the Terminator for us, but also, like, other teams notice that, and they go, man, this guy, he's getting brittle. <laughs> he's, he's he's accumulating every injury, and what happens when he gets just old enough that he doesn't want to play through him anymore? I'm not signing up long-term for that. So his market was soft, and he returns, and I guess we can all... Breathe a small sigh of relief about what the depth chart looks like. Because it was, safety truly was one of the biggest weaknesses of this entire defense. Maybe the whole team. Now, Chris, you alluded to it earlier, but the article about 
Demar Hamlin potential like he's clearing hurdles slowly but surely to returning to football. The question is, does he want to? A hundred percent. Well, okay. He probably thinks that too, right? Like we think it. We'd love to see him back out there on the field. He probably thinks that. How old is Demar Hamlin? Do we know? Ah, uh, no. Is he like twenty? He's he's got to be in like, his early twenties. Yeah, he like just 20, drafted two years ago. Twenty three, twenty four. I'd say, I'd say yeah. under twenty six. Yeah, he's gonna want to play. If he if doctors clear him, he's gonna want to play. He's in his early twenties. He still has that fire. If he can sure. play, if he can play, he's gonna play. Now here's what I'll say to you: having been in this position before in my life and some arenas that I mean we could get into if we had another hour. But oh, you need to talk, hear about somebody who almost died. Just listen earlier when I almost died. To, 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 join the club. Join the club. What are you a rookie? Fucking, yeah. Okay. Once. What do you want? What do you want a fucking cookie? I would like I would like a cookie. The reason I'm so cocky is because do you know how many times I've stared down that barrel and somehow I just keep coming up on the right side of it? It's like, all right, well then maybe this is maybe there's a purpose for this. Maybe it's so that I could sit here and be the host of this podcast. Maybe that's the reason that I'm still here. <clears throat> that I keep being spared. But realistically, you think everybody thinks they want to until you're stared on the barrel of something again and you go you get in there and you mix it up and you find out that maybe your heart's not in it the way it was before. And at that point, you'll know. It won't be until he puts a helmet on and actually starts banging around again. And the way the NFL's designed, there's not a lot of that. So if he, even if he is cleared for the 2024, 2023 or 2024 season, it's not going to be until he actually gets a helmet on, gets some pads on, and goes and hits somebody who's not his friend, who's not his teammate, who's not... He has to go out there and hit somebody. And that act is going to be the thing that decides whether or not he is an NFL football player still. I hope the best for him, whatever it is. And however that goes, like I said, I wish him nothing but the best. I hope that whatever he wants out of this, he gets. That's it. That's all I can ask for. I just know that there's a moment that you realize, like, when something scares you that used to not scare you, it's time to stop doing it. And it'll be up to him to figure out where that line is. I, I just hope it works. Now, Chris, there is still work to be done for this roster. Now, there's a link in the notes that I provided you that I'd like you to pull up over here, NFLTradeRumors.com, if you want to go over there to their top 100 and just throw it up on the monitor in front of me. Got it. And then if you look at the notes, I provided a depth chart with some highlights and some other things. Uh, if you just look at the like, look at the always changing top 100 list at NFLTradeRumors.com, it'll tell you that there is a ton of action coming here over the next week and change. Maybe the most we've seen in a while after the first week because look at the names. Chris, first thing I notice is that on this list that I'm looking at right now, top six players over 30 years old. Yes. So they're old. And that's why this, and I think that that's a part of why this market's moving so slowly. Judavian Clowney. I'm sure teams have called. He thinks he's still worth Von Miller money. Guess what? Y you never did it. Sorry you were a high pick that never really panned out. You've done this, you've done that. 
then you go down the list, Chris. Like, like look at Nicole Hardman is one of the top ten. That should tell you where the wide receiver group is. Nicole Hardman and DJ Chark being part of that top ten. Chark got signed. Okay, so he's not. So, so this website's about to be updated. Uh, Odell Beckham's still out there at thirty. Nicole Hardman at twenty-five, coming off an injury-plagued season. Scroll down. Isaiah Wynn's still out there. We've talked about him on this show before. Dalton Schultz, uh, Isaac Sua, Sua, I'm not going to play for the Bills, so I'm not going to learn how to say your last name. Uh, Marcus Peters, Taylor Rapp. Like, I know Taylor Rapp's been in talks with people as a safety. Devin Singletary, still out there. Like, it gets dicey once you get past the top 25, doesn't it? <laughs> Scroll yeah. down. In fact, okay, so Yannick Ngakwe is 27th. Uh, Adrian Amos, safety, 30 years old. Jarvis Landry, wide receiver, 30 years old. Scroll down. Scroll down some more. Go to, go to like, 60. That's what I want to see. Who's down here? Terrell Basham, Rashad Fenton, like, Sidney Jones. None of these guys are anybody's, are they? No. No. This pool of talent is very shallow, and now it's over the next week, it's going to very quickly become fit-based. It's going to become price-based. It's going to become which one of you guys like, hey, let me Zacchaeus. Somebody wants a slot receiver, but guess what? You have a price, and we're not going to pay it. Like The market won't bear it, so you need to decide, do I want to play for a contender for less or do I want to cash the highest check and go play fucking... Chris, what's the worst NFC team right now that you can think of? NFC team? <clears throat> yeah. Worst NFC team? The Packers. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go to the Packers when they when Randall Cobb moves on and we have no slot option. I'm going to go play there. I'll get paid, but the team will be bad. <laughs> like that's, This is what you're talking about now. This whole depth chart of free agents is pretty much petered out. And so now you look at the depth chart of the Buffalo Bills as it stands today. And Chris, I've, I've kind of pegged a couple problem areas, if you see them squared off in red. Uh, yeah, wide receiver, tight end. Now. Left tackle, right tackle, middle now, linebacker. Now, do you see the highlights that are on this depth chart? And guys, I'm going to tweet this out at Rockpile yeah. Report so you know what I'm talking about so you have the visual aid. The offensive players are everybody who scored four or more touchdowns last season for the offense. We have four of them. Isaiah McKenzie has a giant question mark next to him, and he's at the back of the depth chart already. Uh, then you look at starters on defense, and I looked at guys who have five or more games started in the last year or two. All of our starters, except for middle linebacker, Everybody on the front line of our defense who doesn't already have a reserve role pegged to their name has started more than five games, except for the middle linebacker group. Right now, it's penciled in as Terrell Dodson, Balen Spector, Bernard's the backup outside linebacker. Like, Doesn't that stand out like a sore thumb amongst the group of how many starts they've had? It does. Like, that's... Even our cornerback group, when people go, oh, cornerback's deep. Yes, it is. Benford. Benford, White, Elam. Uh, you just brought back Jackson. Like, you're going to have cornerback options. 
available to you that are already on the roster and already know your scheme. Safety, you're going to have safety options. Poyer, Hyde, they're back. Saran Neal is back. You're going to have the depth, if, especially if Hamlin comes back. Defensive line, defensive tackle, we're pretty set. Unless they want to move on from Oliver, they could go back as long as they bring back Phillips. I think you could run back the same group again if Phillips comes back. Middle linebacker just stands out like a glaring weakness. And you hear it from our GM. They're willing to slow play that. So beyond middle linebacker, Chris, what do you think, Like just to prognosticate a little bit and project, what do you think comes in the next week? I mean, we need offensive line help. That's for sure. I don't think they're gonna. In this press I mean, conference, he was very. He could spoke be in very, free agency or the. I mean, we get okay, we okay. address one in the but he free spoke agency. Very glowingly about Spencer Brown. I think they believe in him, which tells me that at best they're probably banking on uh, what's his face, Anderson, the swing tackle from last year. Sure. They're banking on him to get better. They're banking on him to recover and effectively resume that role once the season gets going. What about Singletary? He's not coming back. I mean, I look at this and I go, Donta Foreman, uh, the the cover one guys were all over him. He signed a one-year, $3 million deal, and the Bills weren't even sniffing around. If the Bills didn't spend one-year, $3 million on Foreman, it tells me that they don't give a shit about that position in free agency. All this prognostication about Ezekiel Elliott to the Buffalo Bills. Guys have got kick rocks. It's not happening. It it just isn't. Singletary might have to take a vet minimum contract to find his way back on the roster. He's become the new, uh, what's his face, Uh, Levi Wallace. Makes sense. It's like, listen, you're decent at what you do. We we don't hate you on the roster. It just has to be at a number we can agree with. Go see the market. See what it brings you. Right now, the market doesn't seem like it's bringing Devin Singletary a damn thing. Where do you think we might see a move here between now and the next podcast? Uh, I would say offensive line. Maybe some competition. Maybe. Yeah. I say maybe edge. If only because there's so many interesting names sitting out there on the market. Like, I look at it right now. I look at this. You take a look and you filter this. So I'm on uh, Spotrax free agency thing, and I, I just look at the edges that are currently under it, unrestricted free agents that are available. You've got a lot of interesting names. Leonard Floyd, Bud Dupree, Frank Clark. These are all players who were just cut from their previous teams. You've got Yannick Ngakwe out there. Uh Sean Robinson, like there, there are Marcus Golden, Calais Campbell, like all of these older veteran players have been released, and it's it's especially interesting because you, when you look at a website like Spotrack and they give you the uh, their their prognostications of what kind of a contract they demand. Frank Clark, they say two years, twelve million dollars a year annually. Where, if that was the case, the money would have showed itself, wouldn't it, Chris? Yeah, I think all these guys are going to end up taking less. If that's the case, then maybe the Bills can find a diamond in the rough in that way. It's going to be interesting to see how they spend between now and then. Because that's like I think the next week is really because, again, usually all the fireworks happen on day one. Right now, all the big names are still out there. 
This next week is going to be really fun to watch from a free agency perspective. I can't wait to get together next week with Tyler Dunn, and we can talk about it. We can riff on it. We can talk about what the Jets are doing. It's going to be a great time. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here, Chris. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your Rock Pop Report. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.